Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another episode of the Pace and Space podcast. This is episode five, and with me, as always, is my good friend Leif Bryant. Leif, how are you doing this evening? Well, I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good myself, ready to chop up a lot of NBA topics with you. And what are, what are some things going on in your brain this week about what's happening in the NBA? Well, another week, another th- a lot of stuff going on in the NBA. Um, still looking at the Westbrook Harden triple double thing mm-hmm. that's going on. You see a lot of articles about that. Um, got stuff happening with you know Boogie Cousins messing with the reporters, talking about his extension, which I don't even want to talk about that because that remains to be seen. And I mean, we have some stuff with the refs. That's I just I just read about that. The refs are pretty upset at Mark Cuban and the NBA for how they feel owners are able to dictate what the league does. I mean, there's so many different things going on, but I mean, we only have a little bit of time, so we can't dive into all those things going in my head. Mm. Definitely some interesting topics. All the same, bring them some good points. You know, Boogie Cousins, if. For nothing else, I'm happy we had that piece of news because I got to see that video of him interviewing the reporter and asking them if they were happy if he was going to stay or not. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Just, just to see him with a boom mic pointing it at the reporters, asking them questions. That alone was worth it. It really was. Oh, man. But, you know, while we're having some laughs, what has not been funny this week has been the situation with Derrick Rose and the New York Knicks. A couple of days ago, I'm sure all of you have heard already, right before tip-off of the Knicks-Pelicans game, it turned out that the Knicks just did not know where Derrick Rose was. They tried to get in contact with him. They tried to find out where he was. Couldn't get a hold of him. Finally, you know, Joe Noah gave some vague comments after the game of how he heard from him but that was about it and it was really just a weird situation turns out that he left for family reasons went back to Chicago supposedly something going going on with his, with his mother that he needed to be there but it's, it's really just been a whole mess of a situation wouldn't you agree life it is a mess but I mean isn't that Ben D Rose's story for the this past year everything with him seemed like it's a mess past few years if you ask me yeah if you want to go back there i'll I'll take it there what's your take on everything my my take is i have a job you have a job sometimes family emergencies come up that's understandable that's a given but what neither of you would even think about doing is not even bothering to let our employers know that we won't be in the office. Nor would that fly at most jobs. So I get whatever may have been going on with your family, that that takes priority. No one's saying stay and play the game. But it's not really too difficult to send a text message, to pick up a phone call. Just let people know you're alive and where you're at. Yeah, I mean, you think that's proper courtesy. I know if either one of us were to do that at work, you know, we have to report to HR, and here he is, you know, just disappearing and not saying anything. Yeah, and then his rationale for why he didn't answer was basically, well, 
I felt like I needed my space, so I didn't want to pick up the phone. What is that? It's called a someone who's going through a little breakdown. Mm. And I mean, we have to backtrack and just think about what's happened with him since the summer. I mean, he had the court case that he was able to overcome. Right. He's traded to New York, which is really the first time he's played outside of Chicago, outside of the little bit he spent in college. But other than that, he's been in Chicago. He's moved to New York, and now he's not the star player. Um, he's probably the third player on that team, but if you want to say that. But he's on a super team, though, so it's okay and to be a third player on a super team. Um, breaking news, the Knicks are not a super team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or as they will say, broken news. Is he's not, he's not, they're not, a, they're not a, a super team. No, I but was just way, joking off his words. Yeah, yeah. I just think he had unrealistic expectations of what he was expecting this year. And pretty much when you consider the fact that in the past few games in the fourth quarter, he wasn't put on the floor. I mean, he's an ISO player. You're playing with the ISO king, Carmelo. <laughs> Both of that doesn't work together. So he's benched. He's not happy. He runs to Chicago to get some of his mom's cooking. I mean, <laughs> that's really what it is. He's like, look, I need to be, be held. To, to, don't just tell me everything's going to be okay. Yes, everything's going to be okay. He flies back. Interesting. That's a very interesting take. And it might not be that far from reality. Um, you know, he said it was an emergency, it was a family issue. Um, you know, at the same time, it, you, feel, you feel like if it was really a family issue, he, the Knicks would have been the first people he told. Because I don't know how many family issues allow you to, to go for one day and then come right back. You know, so that's a little fishy. Also, we're dealing with the Knicks, so if it can go as badly as possible, it will. And that's how this has seemed to go. Just the fact that Jeff Hornacek was basically left, you know, as a sacrificial lamb to the media to try and explain where Derrick Rose was after the game when he was coaching the game. How's he supposed to know where this guy is if he was busy trying to coach the game? That entire time, you know, he should not have been the one left up there to try and answer questions. If anything, this is some some this is an issue where somebody like Phil Jackson, who is not shy when it comes to making his presence felt, should have stepped in and provided the answers that the media needed. That that's his job. That's his role as the president of basketball operations. So they do that. And then Rose gets to start the very next game. You know, no questions asked. He did get fined by the team, but I don't know what that really does when you find the person, but then just let him start and play like 40 minutes the very next game and basically let him do whatever he wants on offense. It, it kind of sends that mixed message there. And, you know, the cherry on top was, you know, TJ McConnell hitting that game winner on them last night after giving up a 17-point lead. Wasn't it lovely? But <laughs> <laughs> but come on, but think about that. You you disappear. You you no one you don't tell anyone where you are, 
and then you start the next game. So, and then to make matters worse, you lose. Mm. So it's not even the fact that the Knicks are saying, hey, we need you in our starting lineup. We can't go go on with you suspended or not having you play. But then you lose. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, Phil Jackson, I didn't hear him say anything. Has he said anything yet? I, I haven't seen or heard it anything, if at all, that he said he, he's kind of stayed out of this. So Phil Jackson can say something about every other team in the league. Except his own. But, except his own. <laughs> he he can tweet about everything. He can go on social media, go on podcasts, go on interviews, say everything he wants to say. But the one time he has an opportunity, a uh, responsibility rather, to say something, he doesn't. Yeah, it's a fair point. And it's not just Rose; it's it's the whole organization. Oh yeah, it's top from top down. There's a lot of things that need to be fixed. You know, uh, it doesn't stop at all at Rose's feet, but he is a part of the issues there. And like you said, I think he's dealing with a lot of unrealistic expectations, not even necessarily for the team, but also for himself. Uh, you know, there was one report saying that he was considering leaving basketball this week. And then there's another report that he's expecting a four-year max contract this summer. I just don't know how anyone reconciles those two lines of thought. I mean, he clearly still sees himself as an elite NBA player. You know, we, we know that was an issue in Chicago because, you know, after he missed considerable amount of time, with, with some significant injuries, and Jimmy Butler rose and kind of took over as, as a go-to player in that time. Last year, once Rose was feeling a bit healthy again, he was like, all right, guys, I'm the leader, right? It's my show. And then there was that, that kind of tension of, is it Jimmy's team? Is it Rose's team? And the Bulls parted ways with Rose just to not have that, that tension anymore. And here he goes and comes to the Knicks, and he says, you know, oh, yeah, everybody's talking about us as one of the super teams. And it's like, who, who's saying that? Nobody's saying that. But in his mind, this is where he thinks things are. He thinks the Knicks are a super team because the Knicks have him. So he's like, oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm a top five player. Melo's here. Yeah, we're a super team. We're just like, we're just like the Warriors. We're just like the Cavs, you know. We got, we got top five NBA players on this roster. And, and he still sees himself that way. And, and I get it, you know. You took the league by storm, became an MVP. They created a, a rule in the CBA that they, big people basically call the Derrick Rose rule, where if you make All-NBA team, All-Star, MVP, anything of like that, you get a considerable raise, you know, in your rookie contract and your very nice contract. So he sees these things, and in his mind, I guess he still feels like he's on that level, but... The play on the court says otherwise, don't you agree? Yeah, it does. I mean, doesn't it seem like a few years ago that when we were talking about best point guards in the league, we were talking him and Westbrook and CP3, mm-hmm. now we don't even mention him. And we, we and of course, we can say, well, he got injured, but it's outside of injury. You know, he got injured. How he handled the injury wasn't the smartest way, but... Yeah, I mean, he's not getting that max contract. I know there's a team out there who's going to give him a contract, 
but a contract upwards of $150 million, he's not getting that. I I think his his best move would be maybe to do something similar to what Dwight Howard did with Atlanta, where he knew, like, okay, I'm not going to get that four or five-year max contract. What he did do is he took a three-year contract at that same annual earning power where he so it wasn't a max contract but he was still he's still getting kind of top dollar in a shortened contract maybe maybe rose could get something like that if he's willing to do a two or two year with a third year option where people will pay him a bit more but they won't put the years up for him he might have some suitors with that but even with that I really only see one team that might make a run for him. Who's that? The Sacramento Kings, baby. Oh, man. You know they would, too. That's, that sounds like a Sacramento move. They're going to do it because look at their point guards right now. They know they're going to have to do something to try and get this team sorted out and put some kind of positive movement to you know make cousins want to want to stay you know people say you know the 200 million dollars he's definitely going to sign but maybe maybe not you never know you know I, i know sometimes people can say no to money if they're fed up enough in a situation and if you're the kings you don't want to be in that position is rose the answer no but Rose would be an upgrade to what they're what they have playing at point guard right now, and I, that's that's one team I think will would put the money up for him. It'll be a bad move on their part, and I think it's one of those things where you'll fit, you will put bodies in the seats. You are going to win some games, but I don't think you need a person who is so ball dominant. You had that last year with Rondo. You see how that turned out. So to have that again. Um, you really need someone who's able to facilitate, someone who's able to hit that open jumper, someone who's not going to try to look for their own shot every chance they get. And granted, that might help. That might help, you know, Boogie when he's trying to get himself open, but I don't see it. And it's not even injury. I don't even think it's, it's injury-related or injury risk. I think he's put that injury aside for right now. I just think in his mind, his mind's not right. His his play is not there. Yeah, well, I mean, I think at this point it's safe to say that Derrick Rose is an eccentric person when it comes to personalities in the NBA. He he said a lot of things that kind of make you double take and reread the quote. And this is more in that line. And I think that's just one of the, I think that's the type of person he is. I mean, it's ironic that he's on the Knicks because it, it makes you think a lot about Stefan Marbury when he was in the NBA, you know? Had a lot of eccentricity to him, especially when he was on the Knicks. And it all led to a, an eventual breakdown. And, you know, I hope that doesn't happen to Rose, but it, it is a little concerning. He, he's going almost down a, a eerily similar path. Yeah. It's, it's sad to think that... Um, Derrick Rose was my favorite player just a few years ago. And he's gone through this path. And the fact that you brought up Marbury, that's pretty interesting. You know, 
Marbury, in my opinion, is going to be a Hall of Famer if the NBA really looks at it. <laughs> That's a topic for another day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, maybe maybe Rose figures it out. Maybe maybe we're looking too much into it. That's what I'm trying to tell myself. Maybe we're looking too much into it. Maybe he just had a day. Everyone has a bad day. Um, we we have sick days. We can call a sick day. Maybe out of immaturity, this is his way of just trying to get some help. So yeah. maybe I'm gonna say that. Yeah, that's a good point about Rose. Uh, hopefully that's the case, and it's uh, not something uh, more serious because you know his his team. For his sake, for his team's sake, you know, they really need uh, to for this to be a one-time thing and have no more distractions like this because, you know, they are trying to get back into the playoff race. They slipped. They lost a lot of, lost like 9 out of 10, but they're still in the race. And, and that actually takes me to something else I wanted to talk with you tonight. I um, wanted to really go over the, the race for the 8th seed in the West and the East. In the East, it's uh, kind of a race for the seventh and eighth seeds but um in the west is primarily that a seed that's up for grabs and you know there's a lot of teams in the mix right now and i wanted to see who do you, what are the teams you think are gonna get the job done and be able to play some playoff basketball come april so let's start with the east who do you see solidifying themselves in the that seventh to eighth seed in the east right now we got charlotte at 20 and 19, and then the Wizards at 19 and 19, right at 500. And right behind them are the, the Bulls, the Pistons, the Knicks, and the Magic. So, for the seventh place, I still like Charlotte. I think Charlotte has been playing some good basketball. Yeah, they've lost the last three games. What I feel with Charlotte is a team that has pretty much been kept together. And so the seventh seed, I think, is going to go to them. Mm-hmm. So to, to me, I feel like there's a battle between the eighth seed. And you look at Washington, I'm looking at Chicago, Detroit. Um, any one of those teams can take that eighth seed. Off the top of my head, I want to say I think it's going to go to Detroit. I feel, I feel pretty good about Detroit. I think... Right now, they've had a lot of issues with Reggie Jackson coming back. He hasn't been himself. And I'm hoping that he's able to come back around to playing how he played last season before he got injured. And if he's able to come back and contribute, they have a good chance at taking that eighth seed. Chicago still has a lot of question marks. Um, They had to bench Rondo. They brought him back and... He's seems like he's playing a little bit better, but still too many questions. Washington, uh, they're I, I keep putting too much stock into Washington. I every year I'm always thinking Washington has a chance, but I'm always let down. So I will say, in chances, I will say Detroit. And for my surprise pick for the eighth seed. I think the Sixers can come out of nowhere and battle for that that eighth seed. <laughs> that come that comeback win really really spoke to you, huh? It, it, it spoke to me. They're playing together. Um, the rest of the East has a lot of questions. 
a lot of questions you're seeing up and down. You're talking about Brooklyn. Miami has questions. Now they're talking about being sellers and rebuilding. Orlando talking about trading players and they don't like Peyton and all these other questions with New York and Chicago. Indiana's playing better, which is good. So there's a lot of questions there. And I think this is the time for Philly to strike. They got Okafor, who's a good trade chip. I don't know who wants him. Um, They made a big move by putting Noel back in there. I don't know if this is secret fandom coming out a little bit. Maybe. I'm not sure because I'm really not a 76ers fan, even though I think I'm kind of becoming one and starting to trust the process. But I don't know. I think that they can actually push it. And B's talking about it. I'm starting to trust the process. Wow. The 76ers. <laughs> no, I got. I get what you're saying. All these teams have significant to severe flaws. And I think some of them are going to start falling and down and losing the pace as the as the season continues um sixers i just can't see it i just can't see it. they they don't they don't have a point guard i don't care what you say about tj mcconnell's game winning shot <laughs> they still don't have a point guard um they're still trying to figure out which big man which big other than Embiid to play so that they can showcase and try and get a trade for because before, Noel wasn't getting any minutes because they were playing Okafor maybe primarily to try and trade him and nothing's materialized. And now they're like, all right, let's get Noel back on the court. And now Okafor is getting DMPs. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, at the same time, you brought up a lot of good points about the Wizards, about the Bulls. I don't believe the Pistons are going to get that eight seed, to be honest. Believe it or not, I'm still saying the Knicks. I still what? think the Knicks can take this eight seed. I know they have a lot of turmoil, but, you know, in New York, New Yorkers feed off turmoil. They need to be angry about something before they do anything well. And maybe this is what's going to galvanize those guys. Because, yeah, Rose... He, you have that off the court issues, but he's played well enough for them to to win games. Um, Porzingis is still growing. You know, Melo is still playing some good basketball. They got some. They got some rookies that you know are growing as the season progresses. Uh, I think. I think they need to make a tweak or two, like. Me personally, I, I think they just need to commit to Porzingis being the five and Melo being the four. I think if they did that, that would open up a lot more possibilities for that team and really get them clicking. They still have the best potential, I think, out of those out of that, you know, malaise of teams that are fighting for the for the A seed. I agree with you that Charlotte is gonna be safe. They're gonna get in the playoffs, maybe as the seventh seed, maybe as the sixth or fifth seed. Because, you know, all these teams are, are kind of, like, very close together right now in the East. But, yeah, I, I think I think Knicks are going to get in there. I really do. I still don't see it. I really, really don't. Um, they're battling themselves. 
And how are you going to battle other teams if you're still battling yourself? And that's the issue with New York, whether you're talking about the ISO King Mello, whether you're talking about Brazingas, you have the fans asking whose team is it. Mello saying staying in his team, and it is still still his team. But I mean, the coach is getting fed up with his ISO game. You got D Rose and his sabbaticals for a day. Uh, it's just too much. It's just too much, and the schedule hasn't been too kind to them. Next couple of next week or so, they play, I think two or three back to back games. Hmm. That's that's a lot. I mean, yeah. Right, right now, I, I can't see it, but the players are there. If the players are able to come together, maybe it'll be during the, the All Star break that they can get together, um, and figure it out. Some off time, get clear their heads, come back, get some a good good few practices under their belt and hopefully they can come back and maybe they'll maybe they will battle for the eight seed but right now i don't see it yeah i I respect that you know it's gonna be very hard especially now we're only in january it's very hard to see a clear uh winner that's gonna rise out of that crop but um, you know, it, sh- it should make for a very entertaining race, even up to March, all the way into the last weeks of the season. So it'll definitely be worth keeping it, their eye out, our, our our eyes and ears out to that. But you know, now we go to the West, and like we said, one through seven is pretty set. But you know, we have the Blazers right now sitting at eighteen and twenty-three, and then you know, half a game behind them. Are the Kings only two games behind them? Are the Pelicans and the Nuggets? And you know what? The Lakers are only three and a half games themselves behind the Blazers. You know, with uh, Timberwolves right behind them as well. So who who do you think is going to come out of the West and get that eighth seed? This is a tough one. This is a very, very tough one. I... Just thinking off the top of my head, I want to say the Pelicans. Mm. I think the Pelicans can really get into that eighth seed. Um, Portland, I still feel that they still are a player away. And I'm not sure whether or not they want to add that player. But I do think the Pelicans have a chance to battle for that eight seed. Yeah, Pelicans are definitely in the mix, especially the way, you know, Anthony Davis has been playing. Um, you know, Nuggets, Nuggets are interesting. You know, I, I wouldn't rule them out. You know, they just, you know, they just handed it to the Pacers today in London, put 140 points on them. So that's a team with some potential. You know. And, you know, I'm a Laker guy. I, I would love to see the Lakers get that eight seed. They're not too far away, but, you know, a lot of things are going to have to go right for them to get the eight seed. So while I would love to see it, I, I wouldn't call them the strong favorites for that. I think the favorite still has to be Portland. You got Damian Lillard. You got CJ McCollum. And that's a one-two combination. None of these other teams can say. Um can say that they have, you know, Denver's still trying to find out what their team is. The Kings are still looking for who they're going to pair 
with Cousins for that one-two punch. You know, Lakers and T-Wolves, they're, they're very young teams. Like, you know, there's no real veteran leadership that's going to, like, basically carry them to the playoffs. So I still say that it's the Blazers. They started off slow. They slumped a bit. The defense is not where it needed to be to start the season. But, you know, they have they have the right combination of offensive weapons. And if they could just work out that front front court rotation or maybe turn a couple of those guys into someone more consistent, you know, maybe they can turn some of that front court, um, you know, mediocrity into Nerlens Noel or someone along those lines, then, you know, we're talking about something very interesting. But even if they keep the team as is, I think they're just one or two adjustments away from pulling away from that that uh, eight-seed pack, as it were. Now, do you think Dallas can make a run? <laughs> Dallas. No. I'm going to say this is not... This is not going to be one of those years for Dallas. And it, and it stinks because I feel bad for Dirk. It would be great if they could make, you know, one more push, not just, you know, fade into the distance or fade into the sunset, as it were. But uh, I just I just don't see it. You know, they're behind the Suns, and the Suns don't want to be good. The Suns are trying to figure out what they're doing, and they're still a game ahead of the, the Mavs. So it's just not working for them this year. But then here's the thing, too. The Mavs are only five and a half out of that eight spot. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, you're talking about you go on a good 10-game stretch when seven out of ten, you can find yourself only a few games out. So not saying it's going to happen. I mean, the team is awful right now. But... Um, we're trusting that maybe Dirt can do something. Harrison Barnes, Carlisle can coach something up. Maybe make a a trade before the deadline. Yeah. If they want to still be buyers at this point, they might be they might be content at just getting a lottery pick. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not absurd when you say, like you said, they're only five and a half games back. You know, but they are still searching for a lot of answers. Um, you know. Darren Williams, he, he, he's he been good since he came back. Can he stay healthy? That's a big question. Can they find some way not to play Dirk at center? You know, they, they have Andrew Bogut, but Andrew Bogut, you know, he, he's in and out of the lineup. He's a, he's a hurt, health concern as well, injury risk. You know, and if he goes down again, then Dirk is playing heavy minutes at the five. So Carlo has his work cut out for him. He's got some players there that can play. You know, I don't really understand how they got in to slide this far down, but here we are. Can they make a big run and kind of leapfrog these other teams? Because it's not just the fact that they're only five and a half games back. They have seven teams they have to leapfrog. That means they need all seven of those teams to perform worse than them for the remainder of the season. That's a lot to ask for. So that, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from on that front. I still say it's the Blazers' uh, spot to lose. They're the best team, I think, talent-wise, out of all of those teams that we were talking about. If anyone is going to surprise, I think it's 
going to be the Nuggets or the Pelicans, like you were saying. But, I, again, I, my pick is, is the Blazers. But speaking of the Pelicans and speaking of Anthony Davis, we do have some interesting things to talk about. You know, an article went up today. Uh, I wrote it about Anthony Davis on the Sideline Reporter. And the title is... Anthony Davis is having the best season you're not talking about. Am I right for saying that, Leif? You are. You are. He's having a great year. And it's said, or in some cases, some some might say it's justified, why his season's not being talked about. Why do you say that? Well... The one thing when you have a great season, what people want to see is winning. And right now, they aren't winning. And we I know we just spoke about how they're, you know, a few games out of that eighth spot, but they've underperformed the past two seasons. And so when you look at a player of his caliber, one who's putting up monster numbers, um, we don't even have to go back that far. We can go back to opening night. He scored 50 points and had a ridiculous stat line. Yeah. But they lost. And granted, it's not his fault that they lost. But you would think that a player of his caliber will be able to propel his team to victory. And so it's kind of sad that it isn't. And you look around the league and you look at Westbrook and seeing what he's doing in OKC. I mean, he's carrying that team. You might as well just take the Westbrook off the back of his jersey and put OKC. I mean, he is the team. <laughs> it's true. He's the team. If he doesn't play the team, when he goes off the court, I mean, the differential is laughable. Like, they can't score. They don't know what to do. So, and but then you also look at Harden and what Harden's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it just shows that winning is what's going to help you state your case as a valuable player, as someone who's worthy to talk about. There's so many other storylines in the NBA right now. And unfortunately, his story gets you know pushed aside. But the way to fix all that is winning. If he's winning, then that'll kind of build up his storyline. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, because two years ago, they made that eight seed they gave the Warriors a pretty hard fight they even took a game in that series and that's when the buzz grew even louder about Anthony Davis he entered last season as a prohibitive MVP candidate and then the wheels just fell off on that team and also what has hurt him is the injuries too you know he he hasn't really consistently played full 82 game seasons uh last year he played 61 games the year before he played 68 games um even right now he's currently missing a game tonight or i think he missed a game yesterday because of the hip his hip injury now granted it's only the third game he's missed this year so he's doing a much better job of staying on the court and i think all of that kind of just puts a, a kind of a dour perspective on Anthony Davis and the Pelicans but the reality is he's having an amazing season he's having an elite season he's having one of the best seasons you can have as a 
23-year-old big man in, in the NBA. And that's what people forget. He's only 23 years old. So we were talking about, like, you were talking about Harden, talking about Westbrook and how those guys are carrying their teams. And that's very true. But they were also, you know, four years older than, than Davis. They've played about four at least seasons more than he has right now, three to four more seasons than he has. So they, they have a little bit more experience than he does right now, and you would expect them to be able to carry the teams as as they are. And Davis, the biggest issue for Davis is, is the team, is the franchise. I can't really say that he's not doing his part because the guy is averaging... 29 points per game, 12 rebounds. He's one of the league leaders in blocks, you know, and he does this all while having his highest usage rate. He has a usage rate of 33.5%. That's a point guard usage rate. And he's playing center for this team. And when you think about that and everything he's able to do, it it just, I, I wonder how much he could do if he has some good teammates around him, you know? Yeah, I, I can hear that. But let me ask you this. So we know how he's looked at it by media. You know, his story is not being talked about amongst the media. But what about the fans? I mean, do the, does that, do the average t- um, um, NBA fan notice what he's doing or do they even care? It's a good point. You know, when I looked up the All-Star voting so far, and right now he's the fourth highest vote getter in front court western conference players that's not bad you know but you would figure someone of his talent would be a shoe-in starter by this point especially when you factor in that this year the game's being played in new orleans exactly if exactly if, if anything you would you would assume that at least the fans in new orleans would would rally to get their guy to start when the All-Star game is in their hometown. You know, and yeah, there's a lot of Zaza Pachulia nonsense going on with the Western Conference voting. But but even still, even with that, he, he's fourth, but he's considerably, considerably further than the top three vote-getters. They all have a couple hundred thousand more votes than him. And this is a player who we were saying could, is going to be the MVP eventually in this league because he's that good. And we were putting him up there with the names like Curry, like Harden, like Westbrook, you know, who are also MVP candidates. And he can't even get a starting vote in the All-Star game. And and that is that is the most amazing part about this. The, the fans, I don't really think they truly see what's going on with it, how well he's playing. It's becoming kind of like a Kevin Garnett situation when he was back on the T-Wolves. Wouldn't you agree? That's a perfect, perfect example. I mean, Kevin Garnett was an amazing player, and I feel like a lot of players, a lot of fans did not see what he was doing when he was in Minnesota. And when even when he was, I mean, he was, he was automatic. And no one really realized what he was doing, his impact. And then when he went to Boston, then they started saying, oh, wow, this is a great player. And it's like, no, look back at his tape when he was in Minnesota. That's Mm -hmm. the player we all knew about. Those who are watching him, those who are not just average fans, those who are like you and I watching all the time, 
he was a great player. And I think, to your point, I think he's falling into that same category. Uh, a player who has the ability, has the skill, but the the fans aren't appreciating it. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, not not even his hometown fans are really, you know, sticking up for him right now. Uh, maybe that's just overall disappointment with the team that's kind of uh, being put on his shoulders as well. Uh, that has to be part of it. You know, even though they have a chance to get the A seed, um, they're they're nine games under five hundred. It's not like they're playing great basketball. It's just that nobody else is playing definitively better than them to run away with the eighth seed. So you have that. Also, when you compare that to the year they did make the playoffs two seasons ago, they did that as an over 500 team. So the team's only gotten worse, not better. The front office has made a lot of weird decisions. The fact that Del Demps has still been in this front office this whole time is amazing. He must be a really great guy because when you look, think of the fact that he was the GM before the NBA even took over and before they found a new owner, and he's been through it this whole time. He was the GM when David Stern vetoed the Chris Paul trade. Wow. And he's still, he's still at the helm right now. They had a team that was over 500, made the eighth seed, gave a hard fight to the Warriors, and then that same summer, the GM and the owners decided to part ways with that head coach. And, yep. they, and they hired Alvin Gentry because maybe they thought Alvin Gentry was going to unlock the offense. But that was short-sighted because Monty Williams played to that team's strengths. He said, okay, I have Anthony Davis, I have these other guys who can play really good defense, we're going to play like that, and we're going to let Anthony Davis score the points we need to get over the hump. We're going to let him do it. We're going to let Tyreek Evans do it. We're going to let Drew Holiday. That's going to be our scorers. Everyone else, you know, you focus on defense. And, and it worked like that. But now they try to get more offensive with players that are not playing up to the the billing they were supposed to, like, you know, the, the big signing this summer was Solomon Hill. You know, like, he's going to help unlock this offense on the, at the same time you let Ryan Anderson walk out the door. So Exactly. So you have this team now that's not as good as it used to be defensively in terms of personnel, and they're not what they should be on offense either. So And, I, and a lot of that impacts the, the effect... Anthony Davis can have on defense too because what basically is happening, he's doing a lot of cleanup work on defense and so people, you know, they look at his defensive rating, they look at his defensive numbers and they say oh, he should be better than that but when you think about it he's he's trying to save this team, he's trying to put out every fire he can and then at the same time he's got to deal with post-ups, got to deal with boxing out, get the rebound you know, and then he's the top player on offense too. Every play goes through him on offense, so they're asking a lot of him. And I hope they figure that situation out because they're wasting some prime years of a very talented player right now. You know, he signed that extension in 2015, and you know, so they have him for a couple more years. You know, maybe they'll trade him in the next three years, or maybe they're just you know gonna 
keep spinning the wheels and then assume that he's going to stay because they can offer him that $200 million five-year extension, whatever it'll be, that designated player extension rule. You know, so it's it's going to be... It's going to be interesting to see because this team has more or less been the same team they were before they got Anthony Davis. They just happen to have him now. And so they play a lot better than they should because he's on the court. But without him, we're looking at the last six years of NBA, of basketball that makes Sam Hankey look like he's, he's trying to win the championship. That is true. So, you know, we'll see. But, you know, he's having an amazing season. It's getting kind of lost with the poor play of his team and also with all the other amazing statistical seasons we have going on this year. But Anthony Davis, he's he's still as good as advertised and is, is worth bearing out to watch and see, hey, maybe you'll be right. Maybe the Pelicans will be the team that gets that eight seed which would be great because then we will be able to get to see Anthony Davis in the playoffs again. Right, and I think that's what we all need to see. We all need to see him back in prime time, back in the spotlight, seeing what he's able to do and carrying his team. And, hey, the trade deadline is a little over a month away. So, hey, we don't know what deals can be made. Um, We know there's some players out there who has the potential to be traded right about now. So hopefully they can make a deal. Um, you mentioned using Davis at the at the five. That's something we haven't seen too much of, but hopefully they can do it more. They have a whole bunch of stuff going on in the backcourt. Maybe they can clean that up. But and if they if they can take a little bit more off of Davis's shoulders and allow him to just play his game, you know, I think that will help people notice what he's doing. Yeah, I think so, too. I agree. We need to see Anthony Davis in the playoffs again. We need him to remind everybody just how good he is. He is a spectacular talent. So it remains to be seen. We had a lot to talk about today. We talked about some interesting topics. You know, we'll come back at the end of the season and, you know, see how we did. You know, if my picks were right, your picks were right, if we were both wrong, we'll find all that out later on in the season. But for now, it was great talking to you, Leif, as always. Um, once again, you can find us at the slreporter.com. That's the Silent Reporter, our website. Go check out that new article about Anthony Davis. And as always, you can find us on Twitter at, at DSLReporter. You can find me on Twitter at CalDan384. And Leif, why don't you give us your Twitter handle again? All right, my Twitter handle is at ldb creations yes and you can find us on soundcloud and now you can also find us on itunes so if you like what you're hearing please subscribe review we love to hear from anyone who's interested in what we've been doing so far and um for now that's that's everything so just want to say good night to the people and thank you once again late for uh talking with me this evening absolutely have a good night everyone all right